2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The old is gone, the new has come. Let's talk about the old for a second. We're not going to talk about age here, because um, I don't want to discriminate. I'm just kidding. Uh, but the old, what, what is the old? Like, we just had 2022, didn't we? That's considered old. That's considered in the past. You're never going to have another day of 2022 ever in your life. It is gone, immediately disappeared the minute January 1st, last Sunday happened. It's old, old news. And it could have been great. You could have had an amazing 2022, the best year ever, the greatest year ever. Um, money was flowing in and babies were being born and health was great and everything was perfect. All roses. Or you could be like, man, it was horrible. It was bad. I had family that was always constantly sick throughout the whole year. And um, I was having to pay nonstop like um, things that, that I, I didn't expect were going to come up. And it was just bad. Or it could have just been basic, right? You, you could have had just a basic 2022 where nothing happened. It was the same old as 21 and 20 and 19 and 18 and 17. And it could just be basic. But I would say no matter what 2022 was, um, every single one of us want to better ourselves. Every one of us. We want to get better. We want to be better. We want to grow and move and, and achieve so much more, regardless if it was great or bad or, or in between, you want to grow. And what do we always talk about at the beginning of each year that involves growth? What do we talk about? What does the world talk about? resolutions, right? I mean, do you get asked, what are your resolutions every year? There's always somebody, if it's the grocery store dude that has no clue who I am, or my mom, they're always asking, like, what are the resolutions that you have for this coming year? What is it going to be? Do you know what the, the resolutions for this year for our country, most people have decided that they want to have a resolution for? Do you know what they are? What do you, take a guess. What? Better economy. Better economy. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Health. Health. Okay. I mean, resolutions. We have, you, know, you want to know what the number one is for this year? To take more bubble baths. Literally. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not. <laughs> I could have had you there. No, that, that's not the number one resolution. The number one resolution is literally the same every single year, and it's physical health. Always physical health. Statistically, uh, when people were surveyed and polled for this year, they were saying, I want physical health, which is super vague. Like, physical, well, what about physical health do you want? But that was the number one. Number two was saving money. Number three was, um, I wrote it down, exercise. Four, eating healthy. Five, being happy which that one's super vague too. Like, I'm going to make the resolution of being happy. Well, that doesn't make sense. Like, today I'm happy. Yesterday, well, I have a choice. Or uh, today I have a choice to be happy. Tomorrow I have a choice to be happy. Well, what does that mean? If everything is perfect in my life, does that mean I'm happy? I don't know. And then number, uh, number six is lose weight. So four out of six have to do with physical health, how you look. Culturally, this is what we're about. This tells me that we are about everything that is on the outside surface of who we are is, the, is what we desire to achieve. 
to grow in, to be better in. And what does resolution even mean? Do we even know what it means? It means to start or stop something. To stop or start something. I, I want to stop doing that, and I want to start doing this. And by the way, already, out of everyone that's created a resolution, one out of four people have already quit their resolutions by today. First week of the new year, one out of four. And then what's crazy is 43% of people quit and bail on their resolutions by February. First month, gone, 43%. Pretty much half of people that create resolutions, first month it's over. So statistically, they say about 9%. 9% actually complete their resolutions by the end of the year. And guess what? That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to create resolutions. And I pray that we're not the 9%, but I pray that we are the 100% category. But we are going to create resolutions. I desperately want us to create resolutions. That's what we're going to talk about all month. What are the resolutions that we should focus on? Because we should desire to be better and grow all the time. Well, I think 2 Corinthians, if you show it again real quick, it tells us what our resolution should be, doesn't it? What does it say? He is a new creation. The old is gone the new has come. The new has come. Jesus Christ is about the new. He's about the refurbished. He's about the restored. He's about movement. He's about growth. He is not about the old and stuck and dead. And he desires for each and every single one of us to look past 22, which is the old, and it is gone. And I think sometimes we get so stuck in the old and we can't get past the old. And that's why we think, you know what? I need to figure this out, and, and until that happens, then I can't move forward. Um, honestly, let Jesus take care of it. Let Jesus handle it and move forward. You eventually have to take the old clothes and throw them into the washer and dryer, right? You have to remove it. You have to be about the new, and Jesus is about that. And my desire for my own self is that 2023 is a lot greater and better in growth with God than it was last year. And that, that's my desire for each and every single one of us. I desire for each and every one of us to be unmovable and growing in our resolutions with God. And I want to call a timeout real quick. Um, and, and let me make this very clear. What are your motivations behind this? I think that's key. What are the motivations? Like, why, why do I want to grow so bad? And if, if growth means that it's just about doing, you are going to fail. It's not about doing. God didn't call us just to, to do things. Yes, he called us to do things, but it shouldn't be all about that is what I'm saying. It's not. Why we create resolutions, why we be like Jesus and to be with Jesus, relationship with Jesus. That, that's what the, the desire and the heart and the hope is in all of this of why I want to create resolutions, why I want to start and stop things for growth. It's all about Jesus. And we cannot do it without the Holy Spirit. I can't do it on my own. I can't say the old is gone on my own and the new has come. I can't be loving. Like even Tristan and I were talking about this morning, kindness cannot happen inside of me without the Holy Spirit. Joy cannot happen inside of me truly without the Holy Spirit. Now we can manufacture um, uh, fake things. And we can manufacture a, a, an illusion of what joy might be. But in all reality, I can't have full joy without the Holy Spirit. And I can't have kindness without the Holy Spirit. 
And so the Holy Spirit is what makes all of this completely possible. That's how I'm in. What's the number one resolution for this year for people? Health. Physical health. Now, is physical, uh, desiring physical health, is that a bad thing? No, it's not. The Bible talks about physical health all the time. We're not meant to just be lazy and flabby and stuck on the couch. No, no. It's, it's purposeful to be physically healthy. And when I say physically healthy, I'm not talking about cultural health of being skinny and ripped. I'm not saying that. Honestly, a lot of those people are very, very unhealthy in so many ways. But, but health, every single one of us is designed by God's hand individually, meaning my body size is different than your body size and another person's body size, and my organs need certain um, exercise and function physically differently than yours. Just like every child takes so many different days trained. Every child is different, which means every single one of us is different, but we can all be physically healthy in our own special way. God desires that. As well as mental health is super important. What we know um, that the Bible talks about mental health. We just talked about it a few months ago, brain health, and how we, um, we are called to have a mindset of God, and God doesn't um, desire for us to be stuck in anxiety and stress and, and turmoil and depression. Like God can pull us out of those things. And the, our mental state can have an effect on our physical. But I think that there's a component that we always, always miss. Like I said, four out of six have to do with the physical body. But what's the most important piece of health that should be our priority? Spiritual health. Our spiritual health should be number one. Now, our physical and our mental affect the spiritual because when I'm exhausted, I can't concentrate. But your spiritual will have more impact upon your mental and physical more than any other component or part of your body. And that is the resolution that I know we should be having. That's the resolution, spiritual health. And this is what 1 Timothy 4.8 says in the NLT. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. My physical and mental, that doesn't take me into the eternal life. The spiritual does. My time with God does. The life to come should be about the spiritual. I love the message, what the message says, which is a paraphrased version, okay? This is what the message says. Show that one, please. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gym are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Physical, mental is important, but we have to have the resolution of spiritual health, spiritual health. Let me ask you this question. On a scale of one to 10, where is your spiritual health? Don't, don't tell me. Ask yourself right now, one being bad, 10 being really good. Where is your spiritual health at? I think that's a super question. And most people, when you ask them that, they take it super personal and private in a way. Like, you can't ask me about my spiritual life. <laughs> I can, I'm not going to tell you about my relationship with God. That's private, just like the amount of money I make every year, which used to be a thing like you never ask somebody how much they made in a year. Like, I, my parents always told me that. Do not ask anybody what their salary is. 
that's private. I think that we get like that with our spiritual life. Why do we get like that? Why do we? And I think what we do when we, when we rate a one to 10 scale in the spiritual health, I think most of us would probably say we're about a five. We'd already automatically give ourselves a five. Most of us might say four or three. Some might say six, but here's the real answer that we give a lot of the time. It's okay. Huh? It's just okay? What, where's that uncertainty coming from? And I think this is where the uncertainty of why we, we don't know where we fit on that scale is because in church, we are always told our relationship with God is our own. And I'm responsible for my relationship myself, right? That's what we're told. Like, like most pastors, it used to be most pastors would say, I'm not responsible for your relationship with God. And that is true to a point. That is true. Your personal relationship with God is yours and yours alone. And I, uh, your, my relationship with, with God myself isn't your relationship with God, right? It's not. But here's where we get off balance in that. We suck at teaching how to have a spiritual healthy life. Most pastors will easily pass the buck off of themselves and say, nope, you're responsible. Take the word, go do it. That's what they say. And then we get into this uncertainty realm. It's just like if I told my kids when they were four years old, by the way, you're responsible to cook. You got to cook your own meals from now on. It's your responsibility. What would happen if I told my kids to cook at four years old? They'd probably cut their fingers off, burn the house down, and have constant diarrhea from food poisoning. That's the truth, isn't it? But what is my responsibility as a parent? My responsibility as a parent is to help teach and grow my kids so they have an understanding of how to really have healthy food and to cook it well so they don't have poisoning. That's my job as a parent. I can't just say, see you later. Let me just give you a few tidbits and buy. If I said, hey, use the teaspoon, they're like, I have no clue what that is. All these things say TSP on it. Is that teaspoon? Sure. What's the difference between ounce and gallon? And Right? Like, it's super confusing. And here's why I bring this up too. Um, God really convicted me about this the other day. And this is also why I'm giving you my notes. Because I was reading about Jesus feeding the 5,000 the other day. And it struck me that the disciples, when all of these people were hungry, they'd been with them for, for days and days. And by the way, it's not 5,000. It's more like 10,000 because women and children in there. But, but the disciples come to Jesus and say, send the people away so they can get food. Essentially, they're, they're saying, by the way, they're responsible to feed themselves, send them away. AKA pastors kind of now, some churches. Not, I'm, not label, I'm not bashing pastors, I'm not saying that. But a lot of ministry leaders tend to like that. That's what these disciples are doing. They're responsible. What is Jesus' response? He says, you feed them. And their response is like, seriously? We got five loaves and two fish. How are we going to feed them? I feel inadequate all the time. I got five loaves and two fish. I can't do it. But Jesus says, bring them to me. Bring them to me. And that was a hard-hitting point to me as a shepherd and pastor person because I realized I am always just passing the buck on people to say, hey, here's a few scriptures, go and do. It's like a physical trainer just handing you a bunch of manuscripts of how to work out and say, go do. It's not going to work out well. 
you really don't understand what a rep is or how much weight you should put on the bar and how to spot yourself correctly and bend and, and stretch. You don't know any of those little intricacy pieces. And God's say, hey, bring them to me. Teach them to me. Hand them to me. And I think that's where we need to reevaluate and say, you know, if we're going to be spiritually healthy, we need to be taught appropriately. We need to be taught well. We need to have training well. And I think Ephesians really brings this into perspective a little bit more. And this is where we're going to land the majority of the time is in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. And this is where God really wants to grow us and teach us on if we're going to have the resolution, if we're going to start and stop things, if we're going to have the resolution of spiritual health, then Ephesians 4 is where God really teaches us how to be spiritually healthy. Starts with verse 22. You were taught. Right there. It's evidence, right? Paul didn't say, hey, by the way, let me tell you about Jesus. See you later. No, he continually trained and taught them how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He did. He, he, wanted to, he wanted them to have the best relationship with Jesus. He taught them. Just like it, with marriages. We all need mentors in our lives to help our marriages get better. We need people that are older than us, wiser than us, that can come alongside and say, by the way, these were my mistakes in my marriage or my mistakes as a parent or my mistakes in business. Well, let me help you and teach you and walk alongside you and be a partner in this for you to have success. It's important. And Paul says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, about your former way of life. What is the old way of life? It's the old self. I said the old is gone, right? To put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Your old self. Put your old self off, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Now, my life, my human side of me, my sinful nature easily wants to say, by the way, um, I just want to be about laziness and I want the junk food and I want the candy and I want the, the, the fried stuff and the fast food and, and I, want the, I want self gratification. I want to be gratified in my own special way. And you know what? I want the easy way. And, and I deceive myself all the time thinking that, you know what? Having five cookies, that's, that's important to my health. It's a deception, which easily corrupts when I feel like junk later on because of it, right? We all get like that. And, and he says, no, 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 don't be corrupted by the, the easy way is not the best way. It's not. And I think that's why exercise and eating healthy and weight loss and physical health, why are those things the number one resolution every year? Why? Because we feel bad about how deceived we were the previous year. And then we, we think, you know what? I'm going to start off on the right foot, and this is the way that it's going to be, and um, everything is going to be great. And then what do we do? We fall, fall into old patterns and old ways, and we start deceiving ourselves, and it corrupts more and more. Why is that? Because we never put off the old self. Never put off the old self. We just think, It'll make me feel better if I just add more to it. I'll just add a resolution to the life that I already have. It's like hoarders. You go into a hoarder house, they don't get rid of anything. 
They, they don't, they don't get, they don't hand off or sell or anything. What they do is they just add and add and add to the point until you only have a skinny little path to make your way to the bathroom or the bedroom or the kitchen. And sometimes you can't even get to those places because there's all of a sudden a wall of magazines and newspapers and plastics or whatever they're hoarding. I even had a neighbor growing up. This is funny. I I was thinking about this guy. I don't know why, but when I was younger, there was this older gentleman that would walk around the block getting exercise every single morning, every single morning. And I would watch this guy. And I, started, I would always laugh. Why? Because he was always smoking a cigarette. And I would laugh because I'm like, I'm confused. Does walking eliminate the effect of the cigarette? Is that what he's assuming here? Does he assume it's going to counteract one another? Because I feel like that's what he's thinking in this moment. But in order for him to have health, he's got to stop taking the cigarette, and start getting exercise. you got to stop doing it. It takes stopping and starting. I've got to stop eating the cake. We, we have to. We have to put off the sinful, corrupt nature. We have to. If, if we are ever going to have spiritual health with God, if we're ever going to grow with God, if we're ever going to keep the resolution to be farther along and, and in a deeper relationship with God, we've got to stop. The junk food. We've got to stop inhaling the junk food, taking it in. The junk food is sin. And if you look at those notes that I, I give you, I give you a list of a bunch of, of sinful junk food. I'm, and I give you scripture references too. Go look at those references. Because some of the, the, the stuff that I consider junk food in that, that, those notes, it's, um, it's the category. So you've got to go look at the scripture on the specifics. But the category of like sexual immorality, we don't like to dig into that one ever because then we find out very quickly how wrong and sinful we are. We've been sneaking pieces of candy. Well, how? Well, with our eyes, with our mind, with our own personal self-gratification in, in certain ways, or even what the culture says is right sexually. We assume, you know what? I'm not going to look at those, those pieces of junk food, but then we sneak pieces. Uh, um, it's like my kids. And when I ask them, hey, by the way, did you, did you take something? Because I have like a little vending machine in my office, our spare bedroom. I have this little mini candy machine. And they know how to get into it. And it's amazing to watch over the weeks as the, like, the limits get lower and lower and lower. And they assume that I don't know. I clearly know when the Reese's are gone. Those peanut butter cups are easy to spot. And on top of that, my son especially, he is great at taking the wrappers and just leaving them everywhere. He doesn't dispose of the evidence ever, anywhere. So, but that's what we do. We're like, well, I know that's not good for me to sneak, but you know what, I'm gonna sneak it and I'm gonna lie to myself and I'm gonna deceive myself and really it's corrupting. And he always guaranteed, I know when he sneaks food like that, because at the end of the night, he's like, my stomach is killing me. Or it's always like, I, I can't go to the bathroom or whatever. Random things. Well, well what did you do? You consumed massive amounts of sugar, didn't you? That's going to corrupt your system. That's going to mess with you. And, and so why I say this is that we, we need to stay away from this junk food. 
And sexual immorality, you might not even like some of those verses, by the way. And by the way, uh, it's not my opinion. It's God's truth. So you talk to him about it. You want to know my personal opinions? I will tell you, but you got to talk to God on what sexual immorality is, what impurity is, what lust really is. But it even goes deeper in that. In that list I give you, some of the things are things that we do all the time that we're just like, oh, that's not sinful. Yes, it is. It's sneaking pieces of candy. It's deception, deceiving. It could be slander. It's talking about somebody else in a negative, bad way or bringing false testimony about somebody or lying or, or stealing. or We justify things all of the time. Look at those verses. It's important to know what we should be stopping. And for our spiritual health, we need to stop letting sin reign in our lives. Romans 6 says that. Stop letting sin reign and being about selfish desires. So I said resolutions are about stopping things. And we need to stop the old way of doing things, which is the junk food, the sin, which corrupts and keeps us in our relationship with God. But there's a starting, isn't there? You can't just stop things and think that your life is, is great. Like, like with, with my own marriage, I can't just stop things that, that, um, that hurt my relationship with my wife, Liz. I can't just stop things. I need to also start things. I need to be more, um, more specific, and I need to be more intentional to take her out on dates and to listen to her. I need to start doing those things. I need to stop hurting my relationship with her, but I also need to start things too. I even Jesus talked to, about um, a guy who had a, a demon um, cast out of him, and he went away, and uh, the demon realized that uh, his house is clean. His house is empty. There was nothing in his house. And so he took a bunch of his buddies, and the dude was way worse when those demons went into him. Why? Because the, the guy never filled his life with the things of God and the corruption just came even that much worse. It can happen that way. So there's things that we need to start. And ver, uh, verse 23 of Ephesians 4 kind of gives us a, an idea of what we should be starting. It says this, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self to be, cre- uh, to be created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. To put on the new self, the new self. To put on the new clothes, the new attitude, the new heart, spiritual health. It's a continual process, isn't it? It's a con- if we're going to be like Christ, if we're going to be with Christ, it's a continual process of putting on the new clothes of God in all righteousness and holiness. Well, What do we need to have this continual process be successful? We need discipline, don't we? Discipline. And I don't mean um, correction of like a child that did something wrong. Like we always use discipline in that manner. I'm going to go discipline that kid. That's not what I mean. I mean the definition of discipline is to, to train and to do things to produce growth, personal growth. That's what discipline actually means. And we, um, I would say we are bad at discipline. We're all about, like I said, self-gratification. If, if uh, it makes me feel good, if, I, if it makes me happy and smile, then I'm going to go for it in every way possible. That's what we consider we should do. But that's not discipline. That, that's unhealthy. But discipline is self-control. 
Discipline is focus. Discipline is training. And we have to be disciplined first and foremost. You won't grow. You won't be a new, a new person. You won't be in full righteousness and holiness without discipline in any way. And spiritual health needs discipline. It needs discipline in two things. A couple of those resolutions were diet and exercise, weren't they? Your uh, spiritual health needs that too. First needs a pr- an appropriate diet. Your spiritual health needs a diet. And um, like I said, diet, it's food. Food is important, isn't it? If you don't have the right food, what happens? You feel weak. You feel blah. You feel lazy, lack of energy. You actually struggle to sleep. Your brain is clouded. You need the appropriate food. So the spiritual food that we need, if we don't have it, we're going to be weak in our relationship with God. We're going to be stagnant. We're going to be stuck. Most of the time when we say God feels distant or I don't know where God is, it's that we ate the wrong food. Really, that's the truth. Or we didn't eat the food at all. We just starve ourselves, which that's not always the best thing in the world. It's not. But there's one verse that I want to show you that um, where the diet really comes from. And, and it's Jesus talking here. Uh, chapter 4, verse 4 of Matthew. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every what? Word. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. The bread, the milk, the honey, um, everything, the meat. It all comes from the mouth of God. Now, here's a thought that I was thinking about uh, yesterday about this. And I was like, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't allowed to, this sound, might sound crazy, I wasn't allowed to go eat at my grandparents' house until I knew manners, table manners. My grandparents were super uh, picky about that. Yeah, they were something else. <laughs> I'm not even going to go there. But I was like three or four years old, and they're like, nope, you can't go to, to our house. You can't be at our house. You can't even be here for Thanksgiving or Christmas meal until you know manners. So my parents had to teach me manners. They had, they had to tell me which fork was for what and what spoon is for what and what knife is for what and, and how to not have the elbows on the table and all of these things. But one specific um, big, big thing that I had to know with manners was to not eat with my mouth open. Not to eat with my mouth open. And if my mouth is closed, what's not going to come out of my mouth? Well, food, but talking. You're not going to talk with your mouth closed. Now, I think that's the same thing with the Word of God. Whose mouth does the Word come from? God's. Does it come from my mouth? No. And I think we always lose sight of this, and we assume that we can all talk all of the time to God, and that's our diet, and that's our growth, and it's not. We need to shut up for a moment, close our mouths, just chew on, and take in the words of God. Now, there is a time for talking, but I think listening is first. It's him that's talking. It doesn't say um, the words that come from you to his ear. His ear is open. No, his mouth is open. He's pouring out this diet of refreshing spiritual food that can fill you and me to produce health. And that's what we need to do. And there's other things that are part of this. That's what a diet is. A diet is an inward discipline inward discipline. It's a personal discipline of taking in 
and training and growing yourself. And, and there's other pieces to the diet. Word of God, we be doing on a daily basis. We should be reading the Word of God. Reading. And, and in your notes, it tells you a list of things that you should be doing with the diet um, and the food is that you should be reading the Word of God. You should be studying the Word of God. And what does study look like? Study looks like, um, honestly, like digging into the words to say, what do these words actually mean to the original? And maybe it's looking at a few different versions of the Bible, if it's NIV or New King James, or um, I wouldn't, by the way, side note, message is paraphrased. Do not read it by itself. Uh, at, because it might be out of, it might sound out of context at times but it can give you a fresh set of eyes if you read another version and then you kind of look at a paraphrase. There's other paraphrased versions. But it's important to dig in and to say, well, what was the context? In Leviticus 19, when it talks about tattoos, because I always get that one all of the time, um, well, tattoos, it says not to get a tattoo. Well, you got to look at the context. Those people were about to go into all of these nations that tattooed their body in allegiance to fake gods. And God didn't want them to go in and start all of a sudden uh, promising themselves to all of these religions and, and, God and, and people. He wasn't about that. It also says not to uh, blend different fabrics, by the way. Or shave your sideburns off. That's why I have sideburns. No, I'm just kidding. But it, it's, it, it, there's a lot of rules there. And there's a purpose and a point and an importance to them. I don't say throw them out. But learn the context of them. Learn the heart of God. Why does God say that in the first place? Because he cares about his children and desires for them to, to fully have an amazing, healthy relationship with him instead of giving themselves to self-gratifying things that leave them trashed in the gutter somewhere. It's important. Memorization of scripture is important. Jesus used scripture as a weapon all the time against Satan. It's important. How about prayer? Prayers in between your bites, open up your mouth and thank him. Give him adoration and confess and praise and ask. Prayers is super important. And there's other things on that list. Uh, rest, rest, by the way, is super important, by the way. Sabbath, I know we're not Jewish, or so I think we're not all Jewish, but there's a, there's a purpose behind the Sabbath that I believe is super important, and rest is a part of that. To realize, by the way, the world isn't going to miss you if you miss one day of work. The world can run. It's okay. It's not going to fall apart. God is the one who does everything, and he wants you to just focus on him and enjoy his creation, him. Diet's first. Exercise is second. Exercise. This is the outward. This is the corporate discipline. Meaning, is it? I, I know a lot of people go to the gym by themselves, but most of the people that go to the gym by themselves, if they aren't truly so, so disciplined, most of them phase out. Most, of, most people have gym memberships that they haven't used for six months to a year. And it's different when you have a partner with you, isn't it? When you have people that are alongside you, you're, you feel more encouraged. You feel more accountable. You feel um, that person spotting you and uplifting you and pushing you and growing you. You need people in this exercise. You need people in your life. That's a part of spiritual health. 
to, to go out of your home and do things in, in society and serve and love and care for people as well as continue to grow yourself with other people. Like prayer, where two or more are gathered, I am there in the, in the midst of them, right? So God says, so when he brings some of us, when he brings us together to pray, man, that bends the ear of God. That brings God into a lot more of a conversation. And I, I give you a list in those notes, too, of, of exercises. Praise and, praise and worship together is super important. Corporate. And, and the two things that we do here is Sunday morning, we come together and worship. And communities are, I, and they're so hard to get into them. I, I know it. they're hard. It's hard, hard to start something like that because you have to be vulnerable a little bit, maybe. And it takes part of your schedule. But it's important to be around other people throughout the week to have a meal with other people, to laugh, to share, to enjoy life with other people. That's important. And we're going to have communities in a couple weeks. If you're interested, talk to me about those. But that's super important. And there's other things they're serving. By the way, that one that, that's on that list, disciple making. A couple more minutes. Disciple making, though. Matthew says that to, to make disciples of all nations. The Great Commission. That's important. You're responsible to make disciples, to help people become followers and students of Jesus Christ, just as much as I am. Now, I can train and teach and all that stuff, but it's part of your job too. It's part of everybody's job to be disciple makers, and that's part of the exercise. Exercise is a process of muscles, isn't it? You, you need to stretch those muscles. You need to push those muscles, and it takes the right diet, the exercise to grow. Spiritual health, that is the resolution of this year. I desperately want us to grow in our health, our spiritual health, first and foremost. And by the way, you'll see results. Just like with physical health and mental health, like when somebody is physically getting fit, you can see visible results upon them, right? And then mental health, when they're mentally getting healthy, you can visibly see results. They're, they're, they're holding their head up higher. They're actually engaging in conversation. They seem like they're, they're more put together. They want to be out and about rather than secluded. There is visible evidence to spiritual health. Galatians 5 says this. Uh, no, uh, I didn't do that one at all. Colossians 3. 5, chapter 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruits of the Spirit. Fruit is the evidence, the visible evidence of spiritual health. You can tell when a tree is good. There's fruit upon it. You can tell when somebody's full of the Holy Spirit's joy, Holy Spirit's peace, Holy Spirit's kindness, Holy Spirit's goodness, Holy Spirit's self-control, faithfulness, and so much love, and so much more. Massive grapefruits begin to grow upon the limbs of your life, and the spiritual health is visible to all around, and then all of a sudden people are like, whoa, what happened to you? Where did all that fruit come from? How did you even get the fruit? And you're like, well, I had a gardener that knew what he was doing, and he gave me the right nutrients, you know what I mean? The right water, and I know I'm talking metaphorically here, but you can tell people it's Jesus Christ who produced this fruit upon me, it's visible evidence of spiritual health in my life. And even for you, because sometimes I know it's, it's hard and you're like, well, I don't even know if I'm growing in God. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what's going on. Well, if you are focused on being like Jesus 
and with Jesus nonstop, with your diet and exercise, you will clearly see evidence of these things. It's a fact. And if the tree is not good, you will not see these things upon those limbs. You won't. You'll see people that are miserable, miserable. Now, you might struggle. You might struggle. That's obvious. But in the struggle, you will have peace, knowing that God is in control. You'll have that. So that, that's the question, the challenge that I want to leave you with today is, will you take up the resolution of, of spiritual health? Will you do it? And I pray that you do. And if you, if you want to take up that resolution of spiritual health, and, and I pray that you do in every single way, ask yourself, where am I on one to 10 scale? One to 10 scale. Where's my spiritual health? Is it a five? Okay. If it's a five, God, what do I need to do? What do I need to, do I need to read more? Do I need to pray more? Do I need to be more outwardly disciplined in being in a community group uh, with my family, with others? Or do I need to serve more? Or do I need to give more? Or do I need to be kind? Like, what do I need to do to continue to grow? And it, by the way, it's not about doing, it's not. It's about growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ, being like him and with him. And it takes time, just like exercise takes time of stretching and resting. You got to do that spiritually too. Let me pray.